Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. Another week with no football for the Alex following last week's cancelled game against Stockport. I'm joined today by Mark Bertels and Tim Robinson. Hiya, Tim. Hiya, Mark. Hi, guys. Hello. So, rather than have another week with no podcast, we thought we should do one of our special episodes. Um, who more special to have on than the Crew Alex manager himself, Lee Bell. Hello, Lee. Hi, how are you doing? Are you all right? Oh, good, thank you. Thank you for coming back onto the podcast. Second appearance for us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I don't mind doing debuts for crew, for crew. This is my second one doing this. That's true, yeah. Just like if the first team as well. Yeah. Okay, um, so what I did this time, Lee, because obviously we went through your career and then like your, you were a youth coach at the time when you came on the pod, I think it was a couple of years ago now. We went through all of that then. So what I thought this time is I'd see for people to send in some questions. We got quite a lot. I'm going to try and get through as many as we can. So apologies if okay. you're listening and we didn't and we don't get to yours. Um, Lee, can I start with a question? Uh, we had quite a few different variations on this. Um, obviously, you're new in management, uh, first team management at least. What would you say is the Lee Bell vision of what a good football team should look like? Yeah, well... Obviously, at the minute, it, it doesn't look like perhaps what a crew team sh- should look like and it will look like in the future. Um, now, there's reasons for that. Um, but obviously, I've come come through the system at crew. Um, been fortunate enough to play other clubs that play decent football. Um, so, I want it to look like a crew team. Um, that's going to take some time to do that, um, getting, the, getting the right bodies in. Um, we've got good players in the building at the minute. Um, but you, you, you've got to ask them to do what they're good at um, and that's not being disrespectful to the players. Um, we know what we're good at as a team and how to perform, but gradually, you know, we'll, we'll get it looking something like um, moving forward. So how long do you think it's going to be before we see the true Lee Bell style of football then, if we were to put a date on it, if we if we could? Yeah, that, that, that's going to be hard to do, to, to put a definite date on it. Um, you know, this is the game. It's going to happen. That's going to be difficult to do. Um, we're working hard in training to try and implement <clears throat> having more control in games, which means the ball's got to be moved around better um, and quicker. Um, and, and it will come over time. Um, again, I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and, and give you a, a time scale on it. Um, but we want it to happen. You know, quickly. Um, and, and definitely have improvements before the end of the season's finished in terms of how we want it to look. Um, the, the, again, I keep going back to the players are a, a super bunch. Um, I, I've been around the club for long enough to know when some players or a group isn't committed to the football club. But you know, one thing I can guarantee everybody, these players are committed to the football club. Would it be fair to say then that there's likely to be an... <clears throat> Increasing that type of football as the, the academy lads get more embedded into it again, because we're at that sort of gap, aren't we now, between it being made up of academy lads and now we've got some outsiders that have come in. As the academy lads get back in again, then the football will change just naturally because that's what they're brought up to do. Yeah, and maybe Mark, maybe you're right. You know, when these players, you know, establish themselves, you know, your taverners of this world establish themselves 
as regulars in the team. Um, you know, they they have a way of playing. <clears throat> we you know we we teach the players a way of playing. You know, since they're a young age, um, and they just naturally, like you say, just take that into the game. Um, so that but you know the, there could be improvements in terms of the football. You know, when we do see some of these younger players, but let's not forget these are younger players. You know, the likes of Tabs as a first year pro. Um, a real changeover in terms of what happened last year. Hard for him to to you know to just throw him in there straight away. Um, you know, Mattis has just recently signed a, a contract, which is great news. But he's still a second year scholar. Um, you know, so it's not just about throwing the players in um, in the deep end and saying, "Go on, away you go." Um, we've got to make sure it's right and, and introduce them at the right times um, and in the right positions. Um, you know, they're not all going to. You know, I think the, the old thing with crew is you're getting the team somewhere else to get some experience and then move into your position. So we've got to be mindful of that as well. Um, but back to your original question, when they um, do get in the team and there's, you know, there's more of them in terms of being brought up a way of playing, you know, I think naturally you know, you'll see an improvement in that type of thing. Going back to where we just were a second ago, we are talking about um, the, the team and the style of play and all of those things. Um I've got a question from Adam Turner, which is asking, what makes you distinct from previous crew managers? What is it that you're going to do differently to the the, the people that have come before you? Yeah, um, obviously, I, there's a way that the club want to play. Um, and I, I want to, um, you know, like I've just alluded to, we, we want to get to that as quickly as possible. Um, in terms of what I'd what I can bring different is that, you know, I've been around the block a little bit, you know, I've seen some, some managers. Um, I think the word winning um, is sometimes frowned upon, um, particularly using that around younger players. I think that word is important. Um, I think they should be encouraged to try and win, not to the detriment of them actually losing development time, but trying to create that type of culture um, where where winning is important, really important, not only in games, but in training, everything they do, there's a real competitive edge to it. I'm a firm believer that the players are the most important people. Um, you know, obviously we have staff throughout the throughout the training ground, throughout the club, who are massively important. You know, we can't function without, without some of these staff and people that you don't see, you don't hear of, massively important. But the players are the most important people and you know, I've been telling the staff, we, we've had a big meeting and I've encouraged them to know that, that making the players, it's their football club, it's their training ground. They're, they're, the, they're the most important people um, when we're working in and around the training ground, which are then can create a good uh, a good atmosphere at the training ground. Um, a lot more bonding uh, is definitely happening. Um, people staying around longer, wanting to be at the training ground, wanting to be at the ground, wanting to go into the lounge afterwards. Um, so just trying to create a slightly different environment for the players uh, to what to what most of them have seen go by crew before. Lee, one of the uh, EFL sites that on um, social media published some stats in the week. Um, I think since two thousand, crew have had the most losses of any EFL team, uh, most right. goals conceded, and and the worst goal difference of you know across the EFL since two thousand. Yep. So what work have you got to do to sort of, you talk about creating a culture of winning, what work is there for you to do to sort of, to get away from that tradition almost now in the club of of, of conceding a lot of goals and losing a lot of games and, and get to a culture of winning? 
Yeah, it, it's striking a balance, isn't it, with terms of this year, you know, we're racking up some clean sheets, not conceding many, which then has perhaps gone away from the football a little bit. Um, so it's trying to strike that balance uh, of trying to get away from them stats. Um, you know, you don't want to be you don't want to be linked to them types of stats. Look, we've had some good successes in that time. Don't forget, you know, a few promotions in there and winning at Wembley. Yeah, three is that what it is? Three promotions, uh, uh, winning the trophy um, at Wembley as well. So there's been some real success. Well, I think them stats will come because of the type of football that's trying is encouraged at the football club. Um, and as you can see at the minute, um, hence some of the questions about the style of football. When you do tighten up one end, so something might have to give. So eventually, it'll become a little bit more like a basketball game um, in terms of free flowing. Um, but something will have to give. But we do have to address that, and that comes the goals conceded come comes from set plays, um, getting miles better set plays, and that doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't happen overnight. Um, again, that's. Um, Drum, banging the drum all the time about them type of things without setting fear into the players that, oh, Jesus, here comes another set play. You're looking at 10 years' time and that figure to be slightly different um, where we've won a lot more than, than than lost. This is... I've been wanting to ask this for a while, but do you think there's sometimes a bit too much made of this style of play business? Because you played under Dario and obviously I watched it for years, as did the, uh, the other lads. And I, Dario got the best out of the group that he had. We didn't always play free-flowing attacking football and it wasn't always um, dominated by academy lads. Sometimes it was um, it was a mixture of both. So do you think this is a modern thing about wanting to see a certain style as opposed to I mean, me? Yeah, you want to see it, but I think winning football matches is what you want to see more than anything else. Yeah, um, Mark, I've had that debate for the last couple of years with people. In terms, I played I played in some of them teams. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I've had this debate, um, but we are associated with a style of a, a brand, a style of football, which the fans rightly have in their mind and how it should look. Um, but winning football matches is definitely the most important thing. Now, we all want to win it in a certain way. You know, we watch Liverpool, we watch Man City, we're watching Arsenal at the minute, the way they play. Um, you sit at home, you think, you do, you sit there, you watch it, and you think, oh, and then you just go, oh, steady down. Steady down, that's Arsenal, you know. Um, let's let's continue with the work we're doing in terms of trying to improve it slowly. Um, but it definitely the football's moved that way, hasn't it? Where there's much more football lower down in the in, in the leagues now, much more football. The, the the quality of player has definitely improved in the last 10 years. Um, through the triple P players coming bouncing down um through the ranks. And and they're brought up in that style of trying to play football. Um, but going back to what you said, you know, we we it's really highlighted um, when we're losing games. Um, well, I, I have to try and do it with a balanced view, and we do actually play some good football. We we do play some good football, um, and it's it's about getting the balance right of what we're doing. Um, but. It's, it's something we've got to we've got to work at, and I'm afraid I don't think that'll ever go away at the football club um, unless we're top of the league by ten points. There'll be a demand for a type of football, and definitely for more goals. We need we need to score more goals, um, you know, and that just makes the game more entertaining. With there is goals, I agree though. I think it, it's it's where you play it on the pitch. I mean, people can you know sort of consider total football to be the goalkeeper rolling it out to the fullbacks and the centrals and then passing. 20 passes between them before they move up the pitch. Whereas 
the first thing they do when we give the ball away and can see the goal is moan about that. I think it's it, we can still play good football, but in the right areas. And like you alluding to last season, I think there was an overemphasis sometimes on trying to play that way from the back with players that, without being disrespectful, obviously couldn't do it. Yeah, and I, I, I used to always think um, when you watch the Premier League play, the Champions League, there's an emphasis, apart from a couple of teams, on stopping what's behind you. So teams are able to gain loads of possession in their half, play it around the back, because the teams are so worried about what's happening behind it. And I used to think the lower leagues used to be pressed as much as you can, as, as, as much as you can. So then football becomes slightly easier to play, to play forward, etc. I think that's shifted. I, I definitely think it's shifted over the last couple of years where teams now are worried to death about what's happening behind them. So they sit off you a little bit more, which then naturally makes it harder to play through the lines and come up with a 20-pass move. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of one in our league. And we watch all the goals back. We watch them all. And, and you know, I will be wrong. It would have happened. There will be somewhere where someone's put a good move together. But it doesn't happen in every football match where there's a 20-pass move and it's free-flowing, two-touch, and it ends up with a cross and a finish and a goal. Um, because football's shifted a little bit. Um so you can dictate the play a little bit more, but you're dictating it at the back and you're just shifting the ball around the back, bouncing it through midfield. Um, fans then get edgy with that type of stuff when, you, when you're doing that, um, which then reflects sometimes on players making their decisions. I think tactically that has had a shift in terms of how moves can be put together. You've got to be so much brighter um, in terms of coming up with patterns to get, be able to get up the pitch. Whereas time gone by, you had good players little bit of movement because teams are pressing you're able to bop the ball around and there's there is definitely less of that now so lee i got quite a lot of questions on uh what was it the, that you thought got you the job in november when the manager's job became available yeah i think at the time when i took over um we were able to get some results um i think i ch uh, um showed a real um dedication to the job um for everyone to see behind the scenes. Um, there's one thing, and I, I, I'm not, I don't want to get into an argument with anybody here, or, but I, I just, I think it's important. The word job, job for the boys was brought up in a fans forum. Um, and I, I find that a bit of a kick in the face, if I'm honest, when people say that, and I can get, I know some of the frustrations of the fans. I appreciate I'm willing to talk to anybody, um, but the work I've put in, and all the coaches have put in to get to where we are today. You're working every weekend since I've been 24. Saturday, Sunday, having a Wednesday off and my family and kids are at work and not seeing anybody, travelling the whole country, getting hardly any pay to do it. Um, missing weddings, birthdays, my own kids' birthdays to sacrifice to go out and do games and go and watch games. Um, so not only in that short time did I think I did a good job to impress, to try and get an interview for the job. But I also think it's a dedication to what, what I've done leading up to where I've ended up. Um, long hours, um, a dedication to the football club, um, which has then gave me loads of experiences, um, built me up as a coach, as a manager, um, to, to lead, lead the team. And hopefully I can lead the team to success in the future. Um, and again, I don't want to be, that's not me having a go at anybody or anything, but I just find it, I find that hard to say. A, a job for the boys is when you're paying, when you're going to overpay someone and they don't have to do anything. That, that's that's a job for the boys in my eyes. I, 
I'm going to pay one of my mates a load of money to come and be a yes man and run around and have a good time with me. That, that's that really did, um, really did. And I should have really said something in the fans forum. Um, you know, I can take a lot of things, but I definitely haven't got the job. Just give him a go. Um, I, I believe I've worked hard to to have the opportunity to be where I am today. Question that follows on from that then, uh, from Rich Benson. He says, it's probably a, a unique position that yourself, Alex and Kenny find yourselves in now with a former manager uh, as a co well, assistant manager and an assistant manager who's now not assistant manager uh, and then you, a former assistant manager, now manager. Um, how do you three, how do the three of you make it work? You know, is it is it clear that you're the manager or is it a system that the three of you have worked out? No, it's 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 clear that I'm the manager, and it comes down to people being really professional, um, being dedicated to their roles and their jobs, um, and I think it, that that's the key. We've obviously got good relationships, um, but no, I, I'm the manager, um, and all the staff have their roles, and it's about them showing unbelievable professionalism over that period of time when things changed um, to quickly adapt and 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 obviously shift to some of the things that I'm looking for. Um, but we, we've had no issue with that um, in that area. Um, love working with them. You know, they're a great help to me. Um, but So we've had no issue in that area now. When you look at the, below you now, Lee, um, obviously I've known you for a long, long time. So I've seen you go from, a, well, playing football with you around all stages, yeah. right the way through to now. Um, but when you talk about your career at Crew like that and the dedication that you put in, is that what you're looking for now from your staff that are following you um, and you expect the same, that dedication to the football club? Because obviously, um, I think that's a massive factor in why you've got the job personally. And, I, and obviously, I want to make sure that's continuing on. Yeah, um, look, and I, I, me speaking then, um, it, that also puts the other coaches in that bracket um, in terms of what dedication they've, they've shown to the football club. Um, it is hard work. Um, you do... You do fall out at home. Your wife isn't happy with you for seven months of the year. She's not. Um, so they go into, you know, I wasn't just talking about myself there. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the coaches, not only that work at the first team level, but throughout the academy, you're going through that. Um, so and their dedication to to what we do is always there. Obviously, the transfer win has been there. We've been there till seven, eight o'clock at night time, going home having to come back because something's probably you know the. the you can't question the dedication and the effort of not only the first team staff, but of everyone throughout the football club. It's a massive, massive strength of the football club, of the work and the hours that these people put in. And, and again, I reiterate, we ain't going to go and sit on the Maldives with the money we get paid working in the academy at the end of the season. You know, we do it because the boys are really dedicated and have a passion for the football club. Okay, last one I've got, Lee, about you, and then I swear we'll talk about something else, some other aspects of the club. This one comes from Captain you're Britain. Right. He wants to know if you're a manager or a coach and what you think the difference is. He also wants to know what your strengths are and what weaknesses you're trying to work on. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm a manager uh, than, a, than a, a first-team coach. Again, I think... You know, there isn't many first team coaches in the in the in the lower leagues. You know, without having that, or just having a think from that question, um, because you do have to um, incorporate the the um, 
the recruitment side of it, etc. And you're talking to be, I think uh, it's particularly at the higher level, the first team coach is someone that's willing to just coach the players and coach whatever players are brought into the building. That's done through their recruitment, uh, database, etc. Um, so I think that's the difference. You know, someone might think differently. Um, and then obviously a manager is entrusting um, people around him to, to do that, fulfill their roles and do their roles. Um which is important. Whereas a first team coach, you know, we'll, we'll be trying to do a lot of the other stuff off the pitch as well in terms of organising what training sessions we're doing, how they're going to look, how many, but lots of little different things. So I think they're the, they're the, the main two for me. Uh, coaches willing to work with players that are brought in from, in particular, brought in from, in particularly at a higher level, um, and a manager uh, is someone that, particularly at the lower levels, is someone because they have to do certain other things um, that a coach at the higher level wouldn't have to do. Um, but So I, I think I fall into that bracket of a manager. Um, I like to think I'm I'm good with people, fair with people, um, and can get the best out of people in that way. Um, I, like, I like to be around the players. I like to talk. I like to interact with them. I like them to be at ease, which I think only then they can improve um, with football and go on the pitch nice and relaxed. Um, so that would be my style. In terms of being a trying to be a man manager, uh, and definitely with the staff as well, empower them to to fulfil their roles and 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 me getting the me getting the benefits um, because you do as the manager, don't you? If you win a game of football, it's the manager who gets. But there's obviously a lot of good people doing hard work behind the scenes to help you get to that point. So um, let's move on to players. Then I've had a couple of questions yep. about the same player. Uh, Chris and Pete both wanted to know about Zach Williams because obviously he came through last year. Phenomenal youth talent, you know, looked like he was going to set yep. the world on fire. Um, I, I don't know what your opinion on this is, but from my opinion, he hasn't quite hit those heights this season. He's obviously injured now. Um, when he gets back, what are we going to do, or what are you going to do? What are the coaches going to do to get him back to where he was last year? Yeah, he started off really well, didn't he, when he got into the team last year. Um, and again, in a team that wasn't doing particularly well, for a defender to come into to that team um, and shine like he did was a real credit to him. Um, he's obviously come back this year. We spoke a lot to him. The formation's different. The formation's slightly different, so you're missing out on one set or half um, in terms of playing with the three at the back. Um, so he's had to play in a slightly different position. Left back ultimately, I think he's only played twice. It's Arraf, Bolton, Stockport. Um, so he's in a slightly different position, which he was fine with. We wanted to get in the games; it was part of his development plan. He, he was fine. Um, I don't actually think. I think a lot's been made of it. I actually think he's done all right, um, but that goes with them results sometimes not being what people would want. Um, so then it's you know what, what why not why is the result while he's playing there and um, so you know I, he hasn't he's, he's not done as well as he did last year but he hasn't he hasn't been hopeless let's say he's, you know that's he's not been that but he's a setter off Zach um, the idea was to get him plenty of game time this year um, from left back um, but he, he is going to be a centre off um, I think everyone can see that. Um, but again, slightly different position, always up and against an opponent in the back, always up against someone. Most teams end up with a two up there if you're playing setter half or a three. Um, so he's constantly always up against someone. Whereas 
um, when he was playing three at the back. Sometimes, you, you, you know, he, he was he had to position himself different. Um, but he'll be off. And look, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a really good player. And let's not forget, he's just a first-year pro. He's just a first-year pro. He was a second-year scholar last year. Um, you know, ideally, he would have made his breakthrough year this year. Um, you know, that, that they're, my, they're my opinions, my thoughts. He'd have made his breakthrough year this year. Um, but he didn't, and he did it last year, and he did it really successfully. Um, but he's going to be a good player, Zach. It's now opportunity for him to work on different areas. It's definitely changing, putting a little bit of muscle on, let's say. Um, not just show muscles, but no, it's an chance opportunity now for him to get stronger in different areas. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure in the future, um, when he's fit and virtual, we'll, we'll see more, etc. You just answered my question there. The next what the follow up I had, which is where's his position going to be? Right, sorry, um, but it's fine because I've got other players to throw at you, Lee. This comes from standing alone, they want to know. Zach Williams, which you just answered, but also Charlie Finney, Tabernet and Holicek, where are they going to end up playing the majority of their football? Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're talented players, um, ball players um, that can play in a variety of positions. Um, Charlie Finney actually enjoys playing left-back, um, but can play high midfield, deep midfield, um, quite capable of, of fulfilling them within a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Um, fill them roles. Um, Joel Tabra and and Mattis from them three you've just said I would say are more players that need to be in and around the opponent's box. Um, so again, it could be playing off a side to initially get more game time. But again, in a four three three, them players played a lot of their game time as the higher midfield players. Um, so it, it eventually, eventually, you know, obviously you you think ahead is that a formation that we should be using when, when these players are available and, and got the game time that they need. Um, but them two in particular are players that you need to get in and around the box to be creative and score goals. Um, but I want Charlie to be that as well. Um, but he does like left-back. He, he does. He seems to really like it and he's got unbelievable athleticism. Um, so it might be something that suits him. Um, but I expect to see them playing in a variety of positions, um, particularly as they're trying to gain some experiences. Um, another position that I've had questions about is obviously the goalkeeper situation. That's changed. Uh, I, I'm guessing you didn't want that change to happen like most of the uh, crew fans. Um, what is the plans now in terms of who we're going to see in uh, in goal for the rest of the season? Is it Dave Richards or is it uh, Beadle on loan from Brighton? Who's going to start, do you think? Yeah, um, there was always a, always a chance that Arthur could have got recalled. Um, we had half an eye on that. Um, hoping that Arsenal had forgot or whatever, <laughs> or his agent had forgot that there was a, uh, a clause. Um, but no, like every player, um, Dave obviously played against uh, Mansfield. He's been absolutely itching to play. He wants to play games. Um, and I thought he took his opportunity brilliantly at Mansfield. He got standing saves. His distribution was good. Um, James has come in with a good, young, quality goalkeeper on their hands. Um, Brighton have been brilliant with that. And, and helping us, you know, they they instigated that in terms of getting him um, to us because obviously things change quickly. So we had a bit of, we obviously had a plan in the background in case this happened. But James wasn't on that list. He wasn't, um, I've got to be honest with you, he wasn't on the list. Um, so like every player, and I'll, I'll, I'll say to every player, no matter what position you're in, if you perform, you're staying in the team. Um, so Trigger's got the shirt at the minute. 
it's now down to James to wrestle that on, off from him through training um, and performing well when when we ask him to play for the under twenty ones. Um, it, it, it's a fight on, isn't it, between them two? Um, Dave's got to perform in the games to keep the shirt, like everybody. Like if you're a setter half, set set a midfield player, um, you, you've got to perform to keep hold of the shirt, and that's a message I give to every player. Whilst we're on goalkeepers, um, I'm going to ask you a question, Lee, and then I'm going to give you my answer to it and you can tell me if you agree or not. Um, Arthur Conquo just did an interview for his new club in Austria and uh, it's caused quite a stir and I got quite a lot of people asking me to ask you about him when he said the training is more intense than he's been used to for the last six months. My understanding of that was he's a new signing at a club and he just wants to say the right things to the club and the fans. Is that correct? Um, I hope so. <laughs> the uh, I hope so, or he might generally feel that. Um, but no, players do obviously. You know, managers do, coaches do. We say some things, but if something new's happening, and you use some buzzwords and and things like that, um, I'm hoping that's what he's done because I can tell you our training. There's not a chance he's working harder than what he worked with with Fred Barber. Not a chance. It just didn't happen. It is not happening. Uh, yeah, I can promise you it's not happening. Um, but if it is, then obviously what club is that? They're, they're, they're a good, they're good um, club perhaps. and yeah, good players. Um, but in terms of intensity, we try and pride ourselves, me in particular, try and pride ourselves on what training should look like. Um, but no, I'll, I'm going to speak to Arthur soon, so I'll I'll find out if he just used the buzzword or not. Not wishing to give you an out, Lee, um, at all, but my understanding is about that particular case is that um, Sturmgratz haven't played a game since the 8th of November because of the World Cup break. And they're yeah. on a, basically a pre-season training yeah. camp in Tur- Turkey. So it is always going to be more intense than routine in-season training. Right, yeah. So that gives a bit of a bit of clarity on. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, he's a great lad, Arthur. I'll, I'll speak to him and, and see what he says. But if they're on a pre-season, the pre-season will look different to what it looks like training in England in January, definitely. Can I just jump in quick with something you've just said? It was regarding the, the keepers. Um, yeah. Someone's got the shirt, they keep it. Um, you've got Luke Offord coming back from a suspension, um, but Rob McDonald and Conor O'Reardon have both done really, really well. I like Conor O'Reardon a lot. Um, yeah. Obviously, three into two doesn't go. Does that apply in that position as well? And and do you think there's maybe a, a chance of seeing Luke Offer play somewhere else? I know there's quite a few fans have said they'd, they'd quite like to see him tried in that defensive midfield role. Is that something that you've ever considered or would consider? In what playing Luke in a different position? Sorry, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, centre mid. One, yeah, one hundred, one hundred. He's quite capable of playing that. That take you know, take some work and training to to put some sessions on for him to do that, and not just throw him in a game. He's got you know, there's obviously. Some work got to go into that. Um, also, he can play right back, um, left back quite easily. Um, but yeah, open to to people playing. We are open to people to playing in different positions to try and help the team. Definitely, um, and he's a good player, Luke. He's you know he's been excellent this season. Um, so yeah, definitely, he, he more than capable of playing in that holding midfield role if he wants to. Is another thing. Um, you know, we don't want players playing in positions that they don't want to be playing all the time. Um, you know, Tariq comes to mind. I know where he wants to play more often than not, but he's helped out the squad and the team and us on a number of occasions this season. Um, so you want to try and get the players in positions that they want to play to get the best out of them. 
Um, in terms of keeping, te- listen, the message is always the same. You perform um, and the team perform, you, you're going to have a good chance of staying in the team if, if that can help you, Mark, with that one. Okay. Um, I've got a question then about players coming into the team. Um, we've got Charlie Colkett and Baker Richardson. Uh, they've been out for quite a long time this season. Is there anything that we can do if we're signing the players and then they go down with injuries? Is there anything that you can do at the training ground, anything that the team can do to get these players out on the pitch more? Do you just accept that this is going to happen to certain types of players? Like Colquitt, for example, he seems to just constantly break down and it's not anything that he's trying to do. He wants to be playing football, but it just happens yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, we've quite recently, you know, we've spoke to the medical team um, in terms of um, when we're signing players, what was what's their role in terms of trying to sign players? Now, it's not as easy as just saying, go and get their data, go and get their information from the other football club because there's a lot of things that go with that. The clubs won't want to give it out. The players, you've got to get consent from players to get that out. It's not just, it's not freely just available. Um, you obviously can do work by talking to people. You know, people are generally quite open. Um, but in terms of what we're doing, uh, coming up with more individual plans um, in areas, they, they got tested two weeks ago now. Um, everyone vetted, tested. Um, and the sports science the medical team have come up with individual programmes that they have to perform every day um, to help in, in areas that they've been highlighted as, as weak in. Um, you know, it could be coughs, anything, whatever it may be for that individual. Um, so there's definitely, we've ended up putting more processes recently um, to, to try and get these players as injury-free as possible. Um, and that takes work from their side to want to do it every day. Um, if they do, they've got more opportunity to be on the pitch for longer. Sometimes you're just unlucky. Sometimes you're just unlucky. Uh, someone's popping a hamstring, you're un- you, you know, to the extent that one of them did. You, you, sometimes you're just really unlucky. You sign players knowing that they can be injured, you know that they've had a little, uh, some injury records in the past. Um, you, you you take that, there's a, you know, you take that risk as well. Um, ideally, you want a player to tick every box. Um, but we also want good players and sometimes you can't tick every box. Not saying I'm going out to sign loads of injured players. <laughs> Talking on that then with the recruitment, obviously there was a change in the recruitment team in the summer. Um, has that or how has that made a difference? I imagine, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of extra detail, just having someone else looking at that, that would be the main point. But then I don't know if you read the article with Josh Kennard this week or last week, whenever it came out no. about how they, uh, how he found Wraith Rovers for Conor O'Reardon and, you know, just that extra time that he's got to spend on that, finding him the right club to go to. Yeah. Um, obviously Glenn and Josh came in, didn't they? We lost, we lost Glenn. I've known Glenn for many years. Um, got a wealth of knowledge. Obviously he's gone on to Derby. Um, and then Josh, and then the, someone else comes in, Joe with him. Um, and again, I, I'm not you. I've not, I've not seen anything different ever, um, in terms of how our recruitment strategy looks. So for me, it looks good. Um, got people being able to. What do we want? Come up with a. You come up with a plan. Your diagrams, all that. Um, this is what areas we want to improve. Or after this area, or after that area, they can go out and find them. And as a manager, then you, there's obviously certain criteria you look for. I look for in individual players, the staff look for, 
Um, it could be experience, for example. So go and find us an experienced goalkeeper, um, set a forward. Um, and what they don't do then is come back with, it's really simple, they don't come back with 21-year-olds, um, which means then you can concentrate on other areas that you need to concentrate on throughout the week and trust them to come up with the the um, the right players, which I feel they have done. Uh, they've worked extremely hard to, to identify these players that, that we've been able to bring in. Um, so I think it works well. They give you data. Um, we had one on the other day and just straight away you can see his data in terms of what, what you want to him to look like in your team. Um, you can, you know, again, there's ways of you look, you look with your eyes and something, you know, can be deceiving um, because you might draw to that type of player when in actual fact he doesn't hit any of your markers. Um, so they can go through all their data, et cetera, including trying to get the performance data um, with the sports science. We try and incorporate that. Um, so from, from my perspective, it's been, it's been brilliant. Um, bloody hard work, mine, for the last three weeks. The phone actually never stops, never stops. It's nuts. Um, but in terms of the, 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 the recruitment side of it, I think they've been excellent. Um, he's a he's a good networker. Always going on Zooms and conversations with with other clubs. I think we've struck up some really good partnerships with with big clubs, um, real big clubs, um, which is only going to help us moving forward. So I, I I think it's been excellent. I really do. I think it's been excellent. Just a question on recruitment. A lot of our yeah permanent recruitment, and not not just in this window, but in in recent windows, has been very experienced signings, and maybe that was seen as an area that we needed to improve, um, you know, people like CBR, um, Amu, um, you know, Thomas, etc. cetera. Uh, McDonald, I guess, as well, falls into that category. Yeah. But I think one area that um, clubs that do recruitment really well focus on is investment for the future and signing young players. Are we still looking to do that? Are we still looking to bring in, you know, promising youngsters with the one eye on the future? And if so... What waters are we fishing in for those? Are we looking at? I mean, I'm guessing even National League and National League North South players are pretty expensive these days if they're if they're already doing well at a young age. Um, so why are we doing that? And where are we fishing if we are? Yeah, um, obviously you you don't want to be bringing in an abundance of young players, knowing that we've got young players coming through. That's what the football club does. It, it gives the young players a chance. So you've got to be really mindful um, in terms of where we're fishing. I'm big on looking into the National League. I love Nevitt's journey, where he's come from. He come way below non-league. He was playing Sunday League football, basically. Because um, they'll have desire, hunger. Um, that market, that they are the younger players themselves who have been around, um, I won't say a club, but just been around um, someone's under-21s, whereas they were trying to pitch themselves to League One, Championship League Two, and... <clears throat> finding it really difficult to get themselves a club. They're actually now going into the national leagues. Um, so over the next couple of years, because they know um, clubs like ourselves will be looking in that type of area to bring them back into football league. Um, so they're willing to do that for a couple of years now. Um, and plus there's some massive clubs in the, you know, not just in the national league below that. Um, so they get paid decent, decent salaries. Um, but if you can, I think I, th I think over the next couple of years, um, there'll be a, a pool of 24-year-olds because I think that's a bit of a plan from their agents to get their contracts to run out around the 24, been played loads of National League games. Um, and that's definitely an area that we want to look at, get hungry players who want to improve, want to 
show a determination to actually do that in the first place to get back in the football league. Definitely an area we're looking at, definitely. Quick question on recruitment then, Lee. Uh, I imagine the answer is you can't say. Should we expect any more before the transfer window uh, closes? No, I'll be I'll be honest with you. No, not I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so. Um, I think it'll be hard for us to do anything now. Um, the, there might be an opportunity for maybe one or two to go out on loan, um, but again, I'm not don't know if that will will open up an avenue to get to get another player in. Um, we've got a list just in case that does happen. Um, so we know where, where we're going to be going and where we're going to be shopping if that does happen. But that'll have to be a quick turnaround now, wouldn't it? Um, so no, I don't envision anything really happening, I'm afraid. And we've got a game, haven't we? So <laughs> I don't I don't see much happening now. Sorry. Will you still have your phone, phone on at half-time, just in case? Someone will have the phone on. You never know, do you? Someone will have the phone. I won't. <laughs> I won't. No, uh, I'm, someone might have it on in case someone comes in for 10 million quid for someone. So, <laughs> yeah. no. If we're done with this January transfer window, then uh, I imagine, as you just said, your phone never stops. It never, um, you know, it never stops in football. I imagine that you have started planning for the summer then. Are contract negotiations underway for those players you want to keep? Are decisions been made on players that might be moving on? Have those conversations already happened? Yes, we've started. Um, we've started that in terms of identifying who we think is going to be at the football, who we want to be at the football club. Um, then conversations have gone with us having a chat with the players, and they they indicate what they're going to do. Um, are they willing to get an offer over to their representatives, or in a couple of cases, we're going to see and we're going to wait till the summer, um, which doesn't mean I'm not going to pester the hell out of them to get a decision. Um, but some of our players that are out of contract are going to be good players. Um, so we're going to have to work hard to try and persuade them to stay. Um, so, yeah, we've started in that area. Um, the recruitment team have started to look at what what replacements we might have to get next year. Um, we've got a meeting on Wednesday uh, to go over that. Um, so, yeah, that, that process is in place. And it actually, in terms of talking to players, it started quite a while ago. Is there any positive no, news no, you can share? No, no, I was just about to say nothing to really um, to tell you. I'd tell you if, if we knew, I'd, I'll always be open. Um, but no, nothing really. Um, we've sent an offer over to one of the players' representatives, which quickly got sent back. A couple have just said, look, I'm waiting till the summer. And that's 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 fine. That's up to them. But again, we'll just keep on to them um, in terms of trying to come up with something um, until they give us a decision because... It's all right for the club, for for, for us to, to want it. The players have got to want to do it themselves. Now, I'm not saying there's anyone who's just turned around and said, nah, I'm not staying here. Um, they're doing what they think's right by them and their family. When you sit down with them, Lee, whether that's a new player that you want to come in or one that's already there that you want to stay, what's your sales pitch? What what do you try and use to get them to sign for crew? Because it, it can't be easy with a, a host of other clubs offering bright lights and lots of money. Yeah, um, particularly the new players. I'm always anxious to, you know, to try and speak to them um, and, and tell them what, what we're thinking moving forward. Um, you know, like Nevi, I knew his background, I knew his story, I'd done my research in terms of what what, he, what he's after. Um, and then it's down to us to deliver that message to him and show him how we can help in his journey and his pathway. Um, speaking to players that are un- under contract and in your building at the minute and who they're going to run out, 
just sitting down, open, honest conversations, open and honest. What they they're in a, a short career. Um, I will not be falling out with anyone. If someone turns around to me tomorrow and says I am not signing a new contract, I'm not just going to fall out with them. They know that. Um, I respect whatever decisions they're going to come up with. As long as they're being honest, that's fine. If they're not being honest and they're leading you on, then I will be disappointed. So it's just a matter of sitting down, right, let's not have a five-hour conversation and get nowhere. Let's get straight to the point. Where, where are we heading with this? And you, you come up with a solution and an answer quite sharpish. Fair enough. Uh, with, with Elliot Nevitt, um, to me, he was he was a surprising signing. I never, I never saw that one coming. Um, was he one you particularly wanted? And what do you expect him to bring? Well, I, I've I've always liked him when I've seen him playing against us. Obviously, he, he scored a couple of goals against us, but he, he played against uh, Newcastle in the FA Cup as well. I think it was until he's he's a good player. He's a bundle of energy. You know, obviously, I've got players that that I kind of draw to as you do. But he's got bundles of energy. He's a powerful boy, um, and he scores goals, um, and and that's what we need. He scores goals. So, um, what I would say is again. Um, that was a surprising one in terms of he was going to be allowed to be allowed to leave. Um, that was a one for us as well. Um, so then we had to fight off competition from other places. Um, the biggest plus we got is he just wanted to come to crew. Um, I believe he knows one of the players who spoke highly of, of the football club. Um, and he just wanted to come because he feels it'll benefit him best. Um, what we want him to bring is goals, isn't it? That's what we need. Um, we need him to bring goals. We've got to get him the right service. Um, we've got to get players around him um, to, to allow that to happen. But no, a real good signing. Um, a, a real good lad as well. Just going back to what we were talking about five minutes ago um, about players signing contracts. Something I've noticed, and it's not just crew, it's clubs around the same sort of level as crew, League One, League Two, same sort of budget. Um, players will sign on for those two years. And then because that's uh, a signing on fee, then when that two years, it seems like it's harder to get them to re-sign than it is to get them to sign in the first place. Is that a trend you've noticed in, uh, in you know being in professional football? Um, it depends what they've done in that time, doesn't it? Um, you know, I could speak personal experiences. Um, it depends what you're doing, to, what, how you're performing. If, if you're not performing particularly well during that period and you get offered another contract by your football club and you live around the type of area you, you're going to sign you, you that's going to happen if you've moved if you've moved away for a period of time um and you want it you're at an age where you want to get home that can have a that can have a say in it um people just right I've, I've done this enough I want to get home and you can't change their minds um I, I want to get back around where I live start a family whatever it may be um, and then there's the obvious, isn't there? If you've performed for two years at your club, there's going to be people after you, which then all of a sudden means you, you're in a you, you get into a bit of a battle um, in terms of wages. And there's only so far you can go with that um, until you shake someone's hand and you wish them all the best. I asked you about Elliot Nevitt and what's what he's going to bring. Same question for uh, Finnegan and uh, Emil. Yeah, um, obviously. Uh, David Amu's got a wealth of experience and I was after some experience <clears throat> with that. Again, I'm quite surprised that they let him to go. Now, I know he's not played a lot of football for them, but he's been in the squads. Um, unbelievable references in terms of a person and what they actually are trying to create at Stevenage um, with their environment. I, I was quite surprised that he, they, they, they let him go as well. 
Um, depending on what formation plays, he, he, he tries to get past people and he tries to cross the ball um, to stand out obvious, obvious things. Nothing more fancy. And so how he does it is a bit fancier, obviously, but in terms of how I'm going to tell you how it happens, he tries to get to the back, he tries to get to the white line and cross it. We do not cross the ball anywhere near enough. Um, and it's a drum that I'm beating every day. Every day. We have to cross the ball. You get horrible bouncing balls in the box, something will happen. Something happens. It always does. People swipe at the ball, they miss it. So he will bring that um as well as a, a good character, been around successful teams, um, knows what it takes to win football matches. Um, so we're hoping with that. Um, Ryan um, is a very good player, a very, very good player. Um, Southampton rate him highly. Oli Lancashire really looks after us in terms of that. There was another club we spoke on the same night. Us and another club spoke to the boy on, on the same night um, and he chose to come to us. Um, he's a powerful lad he likes to get forward he can play deeper he can play higher um, real uh, courage to get on the football and try and make things happen um, but he, he doesn't play he doesn't play like a 21 year like an under 21 player he plays so when I saw his clip straight away I saw the first clip and he he passed the ball 60 yards I thought right we're on to something here because every clips that you get of younger players is just little little like balls in and they get the other side of the man and then they check back and it's neat and tidy and nice and he just got the ball out of his feet and zinged one out to the winger and I thought hey oh, we're on to something here and then he was breaking up play marching forward and you know I only I literally honestly I saw two minutes of his clips and I was convinced now they're all good clips I obviously didn't go on the phone straight away sign him spend the money obviously watch some games some more of him but it just reiterated what, I've, what I'd seen um, through them, that short bit of clips. He, he looks a good player. I'm just going to pull you up on one thing you just said there, Lee, in those two answers. You said David Amu came with very good reference. He's, you know, he's got very good uh, decision-making and all that. Yeah. <laughs> he did sign for Port Vale. So I'm not sure how much I can believe there. <laughs> did he's got to make a living, the lad, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like right, I say, we'll move on. Can't tick every box sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Through, yeah, that's it. Okay, we'll move on, Lee, to the academy. Obviously, you came through the academy, you've coached the academy, you've already talked about how important the academy is to the club. It's important yeah. to fans too, so we have had quite a lot of questions on this. Uh, I'll start with a question from Pete. He wants to know if when we're safe and when we sort of, you know, the season might have come to an end in terms of not going up, not going down, are we expecting to see the next crop being given more minutes at the end of this season? You know, Tabada... Horacek, uh, yeah. Charlie Finney, all of those players that are coming through. Yeah, it'll definitely be something we'll look at. And that'll go hand-to-hand with where we might be um, with contract negotiations with other players as well. Um, you know, obviously, again, I've just said we won't be falling out with anyone, but we've got to look after the football club as well, haven't we? Um, so, you know, that that's definitely a possibility and definitely something we would look to do um, when we know what, what what's happening um, in terms of uh, where we are in the league. But yeah, definitely something we've spoke about already. Now, Tim's brother H wants to know how the first year pros are getting on as a whole. Is it about where you'd expect them to be at this time of the season? Uh, you know, January halfway through a year. Yeah, um, obviously Joel's played the, the the most for the first team. Um, he, he's itching again to get on the pitch. Um, so the other ones have been have been out on loan. Sean's out on loan. Lewis is out on loan. Um, Boothie's out on loan. Connor uh, Evans has been out on loan. Um, 
So yeah, the, Connor Reardon, obviously. Um, I would say I would say Connor's ahead of where when I was taking him a younger age group, where I thought he might be at this point. Um, but he, what a low move he's had um, going up Scotland, which has then put him in the position of uh, of starting the last game. Um, but no, they're, they're doing all right. Um, they, we all, I always want more from people to push themselves even more in training. Um, the same message. Um, but yeah, probably about around where we thought they were going to be. Um, if I'm on Charlie Finney, no, sorry, just because he's been injured. Um, he he looked to be you know ahead of the curve a little bit at the start of the season. Um, and obviously he's, he's had a couple of knocks and injuries, um, which we're hoping to get him back in a week. Um, so we'll, we'll, we've obviously got a plan in place for what that might look like. Does he go out on loan? How many games does he need before we, we consider him to be getting near the first team again? How do you manage that, Lee? Um, what I mean is, Joel Tabern has been around our first team the most, as you say, probably made the, yeah. the most appearances. Whereas Connor went out and he's played almost every minute for Wraith. So in actual fact, he's had the, the more beneficial time, hasn't he, away yeah. from the club yeah. rather than sitting on our bench. So how, how do you strike that balance and figure out who stays and who goes? Yeah, um, obviously the, the obvious one to come to mind straight away, Mark, is is what you've got in that area of the pitch already. Um, how many players you've got in, in the area of that pitch. Um, we've got good players um, set her off. Is something we're not we're not sure of. We've got good players that set her off. Um, so as a management team, you have to make a decision um, what's going to be best for him, not necessarily all the time for, for, for yourself, but knowing that you've got good players that can fulfil their roles anyway. Um, with Joel, um, we not obviously discussed going out on loan, but he was doing so well in training um, and he's a creative player and we just feel with more games, he'll start expressing himself more um, because we need a little bit more creativity in the team. Um, and the more minutes he gets, um, the old, the quicker that comes. Hopefully, we'll we'll get some of them rewards. Um, so it's just coming up with what's the best plan. You look at the individual first, and then obviously you've got to look what you've got in them areas. Um, and you, look, we won't keep a lad and to affect his development just because we haven't got a player in that. So we've got to think they're going to value the team at, at present. You've just talked barely about uh, creativity and maybe Tavern as the one going forward that might be the one to provide it. One question I got sent in is, traditionally, crew normally have at least one academy centre mid in that first team. That creative play, you know, going all the way back to Danny Murphy and then Kenny and recently Tommy Lowry. It seems like yeah. that's what we're missing at the moment. Um, is there someone, I guess you've just answered this really, with the, the fact that it, it could be Tabiner that's going to come in and play that position in the future? Yeah, the, you, you, the specialist roles in, in um, 4-3-3, the pivot, the deeper one, real specialist roles. Um, so the players that we have, the younger players, can handle the ball under pressure, um, which is which is renowned of a crew midfield player, isn't it? Um, being able to handle the ball under pressure, um, unless you me and you kick it out of play most times, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, no, but it's definitely an area um, that will look for them players um, um, to improve us moving forward. You know when when they're ready to do so. Well, Owen Lund be the most natural centre midfielder out of the first year pros and second year scholars. Um. Yeah, he he is an out and out um, 
midfield player, uh, central midfield player, plays in the middle. He's obviously played, a, I think it was under 16s. He played out wide quite a bit and it, it just wasn't for me when I was watching him play there. Um, he, he needs to be in around it um, where he can get after people. It's a real strength. Um, but he's a different type of player to what Joel Tabner is. You know, they're, they're different types of players, um, but he's, he's definitely um, a central one. Whereas Joel can, you could move Joel around a little bit more and, and Mattis, them, them type of players, you can move them around a little bit more um, to play in different areas. Um, but Owen, it, 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 he's, a, he's an out-and-out set midfield player. Has he got that uh, sneaky two-footed tackle that his uncle yep. used to have? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. No, yeah, that's what I, I was. I was going to say something. Then I was. I was going to say he has to play centrally so he can get close to players and kick them. Um, but I didn't want to sound. But no, I, I encourage him to get after people. I that he's got to do it. Don't try and be Joel Tabner. Be really good at what you're good at. Um, not saying he goes around kicking everybody. He doesn't. But um, he don't mind doing it. Okay, I've got a couple of questions then about the academy um, from people questioning whether it's still worth the money. Um, one question particularly said that, you know, the board is now mostly local businessmen who have done well in their businesses. That probably means they're looking for ways to adapt and update and stay modern. And does this model we have as the academy work in a league, in a country, in a game where all of the big clubs are just hoovering up all of the talent and keeping them in their own academies, is this still sustainable, or should we scale back the academy? Well, I'll I'll go to I'll give you an answer, and I've said it. I'm, I can't remember where I've said it about um, crew being. A, and don't jump on me because a lot of people say it. It's different now. Let me how I see it is. You've got a, you've got a precious club that do it in a different way, a smaller club doing it in a different way, which is benefited the football club massively you don't ever want that change and I'm not saying this for propaganda as the first team manager I said this as the under 18 manager or something I've said this before um, you don't want I don't think we want our football club to be a rotating door of one year contract players coming in and coming out and gaining a bit of success every now and again you, honestly you don't want that I've been there nobody there's no bonding the crowd don't know about the players the players don't really you don't you don't want that um, and we've got a, a really good model um, which has highly benefited us um, and I just encourage everyone just to, just when people get emotional based on what the first team are doing don't they they get really emotional we're top of the league people wouldn't really speak about it because we're not Obviously, people want to know some answers. They want to know this, that and the other. Just stand back a little bit and think what you want your football club to look like, our football club to look like. I'm manager or not of the football club. Whenever whenever I'm not, I would always want our football club to be different as a small club to everybody else's, everybody else's. Um, I think it's so important. I think that's what gets us all bonded all together. Um, again, go back to staff. Don't do it because they get paid millions of pounds. They do it because they want to do it. Um, crew fans, younger ones, they got they they can build up relationships with people quickly at the football club. Um, it's easy to go and support Manchester United, Man City, um, but people want to support crew because they, they they feel their worth of the football club. Um, in terms of the 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 board being successful and everything, that, 
you know, they're trying to move the football club. The, when you go to a game, um, just as an observation, it feels different when you walk through the lounge. It looks, you know, more open and more inviting. It's busy and there's people there and there's people smiling and um, you, a lot more going on with kids, trying to get them to come in. Um, I think that's the area we need, really need to concentrate on and the football club are doing that. Um, because in terms of our model, I'm really passionate about it. That's why I'm waffling on, sorry. I'm absolutely waffling. Um, um, I'm really passionate about it. Um, and we've still got some good players coming through. And just to just to top that off, something will get done about the big clubs just stockpiling players. It will do. It will get something more. Something will happen eventually. There's too many 20-year-olds getting nowhere near anyone's first team. Nowhere near it. It shouldn't happen and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. It That's what I was uh, going to come on to that. Shouldn't be allowed I, I, what, to happen. What do you think they'll do? Because for me, I echo everything you've just said, but I've been brought up on the football club. So it, everything that you've just said means as much to me as it does to you. And I got as much of a buzz finding out that Mattis had signed the other day as I did from you signing Elliot yeah. Nevitt because then that means that the model is still working. But how much harder is it for you to get the Owen Lunts and Mattis and Joel and Zach Williams, how hard is it to get them to sign these days with the pesky agents trying to take them away? Um, look, for the short period, so let's say I've been around it from the summer and dealing with, um, you know, not me firsthand necessarily, some of it, uh, but particularly when I've been manager, um, they all, everybody will have an agent now and that's it, Get that's it. They, everyone will have an agent. 15-year-olds have agents. That is the world. That is it. So we just speak to them. Just speak to them and, and let them... Some of the agents don't know. Like They know crew are renowned for having players, but they don't actually know what we're going to do to help their player, their client. Um, get, and once you start speaking to them, you're like, well, all right, all right. That, you know, and you, I must say, it will happen. It will happen at some point. There'll be something causing trouble some, somewhere. But they've been people have been generally good. Um, I think you know the Mattis one didn't go on negotiating for ages and ages and ages and ages. Um, it got done quite quickly once they arranged, you know, agreed on on what the finances were going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the agents that take the players, keep getting them to sign for Premier League clubs, um, which I find. I find tough. I don't understand why they keep doing it, allowing these players. Um, you know, we recently had, we had and I won't mention the name, we had one on loan. And it is age. He was going out on like a loan to us. And, and I spoke to him and said, like, wow, how have you got to this point of your age where you're being loaned out from a Premier League club? They need to be playing. They need to be playing. And, and how they stop it, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. So they're not allowed to loan out as many players anymore. That's that could be a thing where they're not recouping as much money and wages by loaning people out, so they won't carry as many. I don't know, but it's something it will change definitely. Don't the agents do it though because it benefits them in the short term? They get the big fat payday. They're not really asked about what happens to a player when he's sort of twenty twenty one, where whereas you do. Like I, I agree. I don't. I don't see how it's going to stop it. Because it's been one of the, the biggest hindrances and, and threat to our model is the fact that these big, especially because they're so close to us as well, with City and Liverpool and United, they, yeah. they can stockpile so many players. So we're having to fight for the best of the rest, and it's it's hard. It's um, 
it, it, they do try and look. look I, I didn't want to say it, but the, the, obviously the money's massive in it for them. What they're going to get paid is massive. That's their job. That's how they pay their mortgage. They want pain, don't they? So they try and get the best deal for their player at City, wherever it could be, wherever it may be. I don't like mentioning names, wherever it may be. Um, but you've got, you've then got to build. You as a player, you've got to have faith in that person you're entrusting to sort your contract out with you. That is going to be there for you when you're 21, 22, and not kick the ball for anyone's first team. And that's the bit I'd always ask the parents: make sure that these people are going to be around when he's 21, 22, struggling. If he's not played any football, or the, or their career doesn't look like it's going to go down the path, where will they won't be there then? They won't be there then. And whatever money you've made, you'd have spent it by the time you're 25 anyway. Um, you, you need to get the right good people around you um, to have your best interests. Hey, just on the on the system, I think the, one of the things that worries people is is obviously agents, and we discussed that. Is the other thing that post pandemic. The market, in terms of championship clubs, especially buying players, has gone a little bit. You know, we're, we've gone well away from the days when championship clubs used to spend three, four, five, ten million on a new centre forward from the lower league. Mm. Um, if if our model is bringing a few kids into the first team, then hopefully two or three of them will get to championship level, and then we'll make a few bob and reinvest that in the system. Are we hoping that the the market comes back to a certain extent? For you know, for for League Two, League One players, and that you know, championship clubs are getting to a stage again where they can put their hand in their pocket. Yeah, um, and I think um, that will happen um, definitely in the next couple of years, twelve months, um, because the Premier League um, are getting massive stocks from over abroad, aren't they? They they now don't go into the Championship, um, so it might encourage the championship clubs to look in and around where we where we are in terms of trying to buy buy players, sell players. Um in terms of what that they, what they're costing, what as the manager, what I won't get involved in, that that'll be a club thing in terms of what they feel the player's worth. If they want my opinion on that, I'll give them my opinion um if an offer's come in. Um but what what we've got to do is and again, it's something I'm big on. Is we speak about this, don't we? Players. When I when I was growing up at Crew, I just knew I like coming through. It wasn't banded to me all the time that you were going to play in the first team and then we're going to sell you and you can go on and have a great career. It was you're going to get an opportunity to play in our first team if you're good enough. You're going to get an opportunity, and that's all I remember. Um, and I, I think it's said too much now. Get in our first team and we'll sell you. Now I'm talking from a selfish point of view as the manager. Just you want the ambition to get in our first team. I think that's the model in the first place. Get our players in our first team. Stop thinking all the time when you're 16, 17, I'm going to play 50 games with crew and I'm going to get sold. Just be a really good professional. Have the best career you can. And whatever your work you're working towards and work hard for, you'll get. Um, you just come into my head then. Because um, we always speak about this, don't we? The model and, and having to sell players. The, the model's to sustain the first team with the players. Um, and that's what I'm encouraging the players to like. You'll get your rewards in the end. You'll, if you're good enough, you will, someone will ca- you'll catch the eye and someone will come and buy you. But don't have that in your head. Don't have that in your head. I'm only at this football club because I'm going to get sold. That's not the model. The model's to get in the first team. 
I think that's no, got to be the message, hasn't it? I think it the, to the message to the players has got to be back yourself. It doesn't matter if you're playing on the Astro turf at all stages of school or whether you're playing in Man City's academy. If you're good enough, you will eventually get where you're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big believer in that. That's I definitely think... got to be the, the message to the kids. Um, and, and, you know, right up to the first team, that's got to be yeah. the message. But from a, from, a, from a club perspective and from a, a system perspective... Yeah. If we're running a, a deficit of half a million a year or, or whatever it is, I'm not sure. Then and we're and we're looking to make that back in transfer fees. Then really, as a crew first team manager, you know, part of your role, other yeah. than what goes on at the pitch, is to sell a half a million pound player a year, or you know, every two years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So you know, obviously, if the if the clubs that are willing to pay that aren't there, and our players aren't good enough to sell for that amount of money, then that, that system isn't viable. So, f- from my point of view, I'm thinking like, well, you know, how far are we off that system, you know, actually working? Yeah, I, I, I can give you the answers to we've got we we've got good players throughout the system. Um, our jobs as is the coaches and managers. Yes, it is the club have to sell players. Um, but what we what we've got to make sure is right is they're improving and we're getting them better. To then play in the first team, to then catch the eye and sell for half a million quid, million quid, whatever the figure is, um, that's that should be our aim to do. Um, because I can't really answer the question in terms of how many players do we have to sell, how much money do we have to get back to 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 um, break even or or make you know money back and all that type of thing. What I can say is. The mod, the model of the club is obviously we're going to have to sell some players at some point, but it's to make the first team sustainable with homegrown players. That's that's what I've got to concentrate on happening. With that, there's good players; they will catch the eye, and people will be interested in trying to buy our players. Is that diplomatic enough? <laughs> I think that's great, Lee. That's good. <laughs> it's much easier, isn't it, to sell players anyway from a, a side that's doing well and winning. You know, they've been watched all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Listening to what you were saying, um, I mean, the person that came to my mind is someone you played with. And again, this comes from my perception, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. Um, In his first year, Dean Ashton came through and he was 17 and he set the world on fire and everyone was like, look at this kid, Arsenal have already bid for him and they turned it down and everything. The second year, from what I saw on the stand was he believed that and he knew that, oh, I'm just going to be fine and I'm, someone's going to buy me and I'm going to go off. And he didn't really score. He didn't, and the buzz went. And then that third year, he came back and went, I've actually got to work to earn this move. And he put the graft in and, you know, you hear the stories that he was staying after training and everything. And then that's what happened. And that's, I think, the the mentality that these players need to have, or mm. I'm sure they do have. But, you know, it doesn't just happen when you get into the crew team. You've got to then be the best player in the crew team or one of the best players. And, you know, your move will come once you start helping crew. So it's sort of a, it's a circle where everyone benefits from it. Yeah. Again, that's touching on what we just, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that, that what work you put in, you, you'll get the rewards back. You, you, you will, because the, we're not obviously not talking about mediocre footballers. Here. We're talking about people who have got potential to be really good footballers, um, but don't just settle on that tag of you've got potential go and make that potential better. I think Dean was 16 when he got in the first team. Um, I think we played Cardiff. Mark, you'll remember Cardiff. It was Gillingham away was his first game. Was that right? 
Is that yeah, right? He was in he was yeah. in my school, Lee. He was the year above was me. He? Yeah. Brilliant. Um class. No, and and sometimes in like the second year, you you're with the young players, there's always going to be a fall off at some point with a young player. What you've got to do is exactly what he did. Got a couple of roastings off people, which have well doc been well documented and um and uh, didn't he just work hard to to maximise his, his potential and his son player. Um, him and him and Nick Powell are by far the two best players I've seen. Um, I reckon come through crew. part of part of the job of you and Alex and Kenny and everybody else is um, is managing those egos as well because there must be a, a bit of a player when he gets in the first team thinking I've cracked this now, especially if you're having a good time. Um, but it, you're right; it, usually they peak and then they tail off a little bit and and disappear. Like Zach, Zach Williams, for yeah. example. You know, everybody was talking him up as he was going to Brighton in the uh, summer, and he was as good as gone before we'd seen him. And and now he's, you know, he's struggling to stay fit, and his form's not been great. So, it, I suppose that's part of your job, is it? Managing them egos of players that once they they get a taste of the first team, it's um, maybe not egos, Mark. In terms of they think they've cracked it, it's actually supporting them through the bad times. Um, because, like you say, they will have a fall off. I don't think we've ever really, uh, well, there hasn't since I've ever been associated with the club. I don't think there's ever been really anyone who's had a big ego and um, thinks they're bigger than the club, or, you know, that type of thing. I think the, the important thing from the coach's point of view is obviously we've got wealth of experience in terms of being in the football world, is helping them more through the times when they're not performing and when they start to have them lulls. That's when you are, that's when you'll be judged as a coach and as a manager, how can you help these players? Because um, it's all right. It's all right when they're doing well and you're standing on the sidelines and he's a good player, he's a good player. And then when they're not doing well, right, move him or keep him out of the team, play someone else. It's what you come up with as coaches and as, as managers um, to help these players. That's that's the most important bit because um, they're that, obviously good players. That then becomes a selling point for you as well because... I would imagine that it's much more difficult to get that at, say, a, a United or a City. If you fall away, you just dismiss quite quickly and they'll find somebody else and replace you. Whereas with you and crew, they will get that patience and that time and those chances to come again. Yeah, um, and that's that's throughout the football club. Um, definitely throughout the football club. Um, when you, when you, they get to the first team, and they're, they're obviously good players, um, you've got to make sure that they don't get any worse. They at least stay where they are. If they're not, some don't kick on, do we? You don't, like me, for example, you you hit your level and it's hard to go past that level. Um, it's important that you don't make people any worse um, and, you, and you help them through that. Um, because at bigger clubs, you can. You, you've seen it, haven't you? Where they come on, burst onto the scene and they just it does it does happen, doesn't it? Where they, you don't see much of them again. Um, mm. We know that they're going to be good players, and we work them through their difficult times. Lee, I'm going to change the uh, the well the topic um, now, if you, I can. Yeah, uh, no I had problem. a question from Pete that I thought was quite uh, an important question about yourself. Um, he said that you know since he's since he's left the club, Dave Artel's done quite a lot of media. Uh, about how much um, he suffered from burnout from having too much responsibility at the club. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that. What I do want to know, though, is what are you and the club doing to make sure that burnout doesn't happen to you? You've already said, you know, your phone doesn't stop ringing. You're there. You're missing birthdays. You're missing like big uh, dates. 
what are you doing to make sure you can do this and it's a, a sustainable job? Yeah, just obviously missing birthdays and, and stuff like that. It's different when you work in the first team. I was alluding to was alluding to when you're taking the under-14s and all that type of stuff. You, that Different when you work at the first teams. It's part of the responsibility to miss big occasions because you're, you're in a privileged position. Um, look, I, I know about them interviews. Um, I do. Um, I'm not listening to them, but I know about them. Um, what I would say in terms of support around me, I'll, um, obviously there's me. There's the sports science team. They deal with sports science. That's their job. That's what they get paid to do. Medical department. I'm not a physio, so they deal with that. Um, recruitment. That's probably the biggest one that you have an input into because obviously you're signing players. But leave them alone. That's what they've been brought into the football club to do. If there's an issue that they're not getting the players you want, tell them, make them adjust. So they deal with that. Coaches, coach the players. You have an input in that in terms of coming up with with um, session plans and what we're after and what we're looking for and what we need to improve. So they deal with that. Um, so it's entrusting the people that surround you. Uh, opposition analysis, John Dillon. Trust him. No, he knows what he's on about. He knows he knows football, so he puts the the clips together and goes through and with us. I obviously agree with some and not with others. That's the role of a manager. Two other analyst lads who can come up with clips and date um, and data. Um, trust them. Let them crack on. If you don't trust them and don't let them crack on, it'll become hard work. I and that's the message I've had from so many people. I've had that. I know what to say when you've said that in terms of who's doing what and what jobs they're doing. I'm sorry if I've missed anybody. Um, uh, academy manager, he's the academy manager, head of coaching. They get paid from the football club to be trusted to do that. If they want my input and they want um, and they want um, an opinion on something, because obviously I know a lot of them players. It was only 12 months ago. I was working with some of them. Then great. My job is to support them and encourage them but demand high standards of everybody because that's what I'm big on. So trust them, let them crack on with that. Let them be the academy manager, let him be the head of coaching, let him crack on with that. Um, and again, just finishing off what we're saying, um, the manager I spoke to said, well, you have got support staff around you. You've got loads of them. Let them crack on. Let them deal with it. You then come worry about what's happening on a Tuesday and Saturday. Um, Lee, I've got a few sort of questions that I couldn't fit into any sort of uh, topics about academy or players yeah. or your style of manager. So we'll just finish with a few of these if you want. They're a little bit more, I guess, lighthearted would be the, the phrase. Ian Astley wants to know, who's your best friend from your Karanix playing days? Who do you still keep in touch with? There's ob obviously Alex um, and, and the, the staff that are there. Kenny, David Vaughan, each other's... Um, Got parents with kids and and um and Murph. Um, you, it's hard in football. You don't really. I should have more. You know, I've got on with loads of people from Burton, but you just don't. You don't stay in contact as much as you probably should do. Okay. So yeah, similar, them, them in general. Similar, but changed it a little bit. Neil Hulse wants to know which of your ex-crew teammates do you think would be the best manager, and obviously he also wants to know who would be the worst manager. Oh, the best manager. The best manager. I thought um Foz would have would have gone into that. He's uh, intelligent fella. Steve Foster. 
Um, Dave Wright was one, and he's gone down that type of pathway, hasn't he? Um, real driven guy. Um, Dave Brammer might have been someone who I thought um, would have gone into that. In terms of the worst, geez, Rami, geez, Rodney Jack, Rodney, ja- Ro- Rodney Jack wouldn't have been the best one, would he? <laughs> uh, sort of had, I'm not going to say anything because we've not fun. had him on yet. So no, uh, don't, well, don't, I don't yeah, want to burn yeah, any bridges. No, no, he's top man, Rodders. Um, uh, you'd have had some fun with him. Hey, what about Big George? You'd have had some fun with him, wouldn't you? He's obviously doing his goalkeeping coaching at QPR. You'd have had some fun with Big George. Um, there's been a few characters, haven't there? There's been a few. Uh, the next three are all food-related, so I'm going to ask you them all at the same time. What's your chippy order, Chinese or curry, and what's your cocktail? Chippy order, uh, fish, chips and gravy, a can of Coke. Um, try and eat it as quick as possible. So you, know, so you get to that horrible state when you where you regret having a chippy for about the next three hours. Every um, Friday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chinese all day. Uh, and curry. Curry would be right on my bottom of my list, curry. Um, and what was the last one? Favourite cocktail. Considering it was your birthday night out last night, then uh, um, I'm sure you had a couple of these. No, I didn't. No, I don't. Cocktails. Um, is a mojito a cocktail? Isn't it? Yes. That's the only one I think I've ever had. So I'll go with that, but I won't have a cocktail. Pint. Have a pint. <laughs> the last one I've got for you, Lee, um, this is coming from Tracy Corrigan. It's FA Cup weekend. Who is your ideal FA Cup draw for the Alex? Manchester United away. All right. Uh, Mark, and... Tim, I'm out. Unless you've got anything you want to ask before we wrap up. Uh, well, it comes back to um, what we were talking about at the start, really. But obviously, me and Tim have... have lived round here and you live round here um, and the club's a massive part of my life and I just wondered now you're in the hot seat whether you feel it that bit more because you're local you know a lot of crew fans you've got me pestering you every five minutes you know <laughs> do you feel it a little bit more than perhaps you would if you'd take on to manage someone that you weren't that affiliated to uh, I'm, what I would say is I'm really enjoying it I absolutely love doing it love doing it I'm so proud to be doing it I'm again using buzzwords, aren't I, and all that, but I'm so proud to be manager of the football club and I'm going to enjoy it for as long as I do it. I promise you, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. And the only pressure will come is because I, I care about the football club. So that's the pressure. I know, I know as a manager, you're expected to, to tick this box and that box, but I'll put as much pressure comes from myself in terms of I want to succeed for the football club so much. Um, I'm desperate and I will succeed um, for the football club. Um, like I say, and I don't say it lightly, I am so proud to be involved with the football club. But to be manager of it is something I'm going to enjoy every day, every day. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be hard, not going to be hard days, but I will be um, quick to reflect on it and, and, and enjoy it and try and improve whatever that day has looked like. Um, but the everyone's been great I must say I had one moment I had one moment at the first home game and I thought wow that was a bit harsh um, I did I thought geez. Um but everyone's been so great and the last I've just gutted we've not had any home games since the last home game because um, I felt like a real togetherness through everybody I, I did and I'm not saying that to con anyone um, it felt brilliant it, it felt really I felt really good after the game um, obviously, we needed to score, but 
I felt really, really good after the game. Um, and I'm just disappointed we've not had a home game since then. Um, but no, um, no, people have been generally good. Um, Mark, that I've spoke to. Um, the guy in the shop now and again doesn't speak to me around the corner. He wants tickets now and again. I hope he hears this. <laughs> uh, I promise you, around the corner, it's just come to me. He's a top guy. I can't remember his name. Got in the shop. And we'd lost, I promise you. You know that awkward moment when someone sees you and they like stand there and just walk the other way. It was brilliant. I thought, oh my God. Like, come on, come on. It like at least criticized me to my face. <laughs> but no, no, it, it, it's, everyone's been brilliant. Top man. Okay, that will do us for another pod, I think. Mark and Tim, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lee, thank you so much for your time. I think I speak for everyone here and everyone listening as well that we really wish you all the best in the job. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, uh, having me on again. I hope I've not bored everybody to death. Um, Absolutely not. It. Thank you, as ever, for listening. We'll be back next Monday to go through the two games coming up this week. Until then, goodbye. Bomb, 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 bomb